All right. We should be good. Kevin, are you there? I am definitely here. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm sorry that we were having that communication problem. That's okay. That's, uh, that's, uh, this is what happens when you go live and, uh, you know, I don't have a team helping me, uh, over here do this. It's, uh, it's just myself and, uh, I'm figuring it out and, uh, um, I'd like to welcome you. This is, uh, Chewy's Road to Enlightenment. Um, tonight's guest is Kevin Michaels, um, Massachusetts native, born? Yes. Okay. Wusta. Every everybody thinks the state the state ends uh out out in Worcester and it uh it, we still have a we there's still more to the state. Yeah, it goes all the way to Boston and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> it actually, goes out to Nantucket and uh, yeah, so it goes it goes way out. Yeah, we have a we have a great beautiful state. Um, you know, as I spoken with you before, I'm uh I'm out in the western part of Massachusetts. Yeah. On the on the at the foothills of the Berkshires, the beautiful Berkshires. Yeah, I love the Berkshires. It is. It's a it's a nice nice area. It's very quiet, secluded. Um, there's not not the hustle and bustle as uh, as it is out where we are, or you know, even getting out towards Worcester, Boston area. Yeah, no, definitely not. I, I love like Tanglewood and all that. It's like this so beautiful. Yeah, great place to see concerts uh, and just yeah, an all around great area. It truly is. So let's. Uh, so you born in Worcester, um, yeah. and so what was uh, what was what was life for you like when uh, when you were out in Worcester when you were growing up out there? Well, I've, um, since I was like about eight years old. Well, obviously before that, because I already played, uh, I already played guitar from the time I was about six. Okay. So, um, and I wrote my first song when I was like eight and ended up recording it and, and putting the record out. Uh, my parents did actually. That's and, awesome. Um, so I've been in music um, and entertainment most of my life. Um around there to start with i would play um i um ted mingola who was uh, owned the uh, pleasant valley country club and the sheridan lincoln hotel in worcester um he would just built the um sheridan lincoln and he he heard the record and wanted me to play you know kind of a novelty thing because of my age mm-hmm to play at the lounge there and I was actually making more money than my dad um but my mom had to come with me because I was so young I couldn't be in a place where alcohol was or without my mother there so um so she had to sit there three nights a week um and I played there and then just started playing around local and kind of become um, the, you know, the, all the, there were the bands that were really known in the state. And I guess I was at the time kind of one of the, uh, kind of folk or Americana singers or something like that, that was one kind of known. And then, um, when I was, um, uh, 14, um, at, and I was playing at the, the Sheraton Lincoln and, um, Phil Oaks came in. Um, the folk singer Phil Oaks, because uh, he was playing somewhere local, 
and he saw me in the in the lounge and uh, took me down to New York um, to uh, to open for him. Wow. And he thought it was my best. And how and how old were you at this time? I was fourteen at that point, and um, and then I got. Um, uh, Paul McCartney came in to um, one of the nights, the second night I was playing, and, and I ended up, um, you know, several weeks later, um, lending my voice um, to a, I, I don't want to say whom, because it, it, it probably would, well, it was dead, but um, the guy lost his voice, and they kind of milly vanillied with my voice for a while. Yeah. Um, and just paid me as a, as a, as a voice um and it was kind of a popular band at the time uh, on apple records and um so i was kind of living like a, a double life i i was living in worcester and just being you know kev the kid from the the neighborhood yep uh, and had all my regular friends that had no idea what i was doing over in england um singing for a you know a, a known band and you know it was funny to me because i'd come on the radio and hear my friends talk about how much they love this song or whatever and and know that it was me and I never told them. I finally did, but, you know, I was more grown up when I told them. So, um, so I was living two lives. I was kind of like jumping across the pond and and playing rock star and, and, um, and coming back and just being, you know, just being old Kev from Worcester. <laughs> and your folks were, I'm, um, they were very supportive of this. I, uh, I'd imagine, you know, at they such were, a young age, they they were absolutely uh, incredibly supportive. Um, you know, without being stage parents, which is something I've gotten to know living here in California and making films, that they, they, they have stage mothers and stage fathers, and they're they're kind of a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were not. They didn't push me in any way shape or form but they they um supported what i wanted to do and um yeah my dad you know when at the time uh initially when i wanted to make my own solo record and stuff like that my dad would drive down to new york and mom and i would go up to the record labels and he would drive around the block and you know for hours while we uh hit the record companies and stuff without ever uttering a complaint and then we go back sometimes on the same day so a lot of driving wow driving around for dad um yeah shout out to the dads out there oh absolutely yeah man i I never realized like um it was funny because after he passed away um which was i was uh 43 when my father died so but after he passed away and we were cleaning out the house and cleaning out the attic um i found letters with movie studio names on them and um and apparently my dad did all the same things i did oh really Um, he sent stories into the movie studios um which i had never known he never talked about it um, he just encouraged me doing what I was doing. Um, he wrote a song that the Navy used, um, and I think still uses. It's still in their songbooks called "Rock Me to Sleep." Um, 
so yeah, um, my dad actually had this similar desires, and then he, you know, married mom and had me eventually, and and um, and was just happy with that. Um, my mother used to always say that um, once um, they got together, and then thirteen. It took me thirteen years to be born, but once I was born, thirteen years later, my dad wanted for nothing. Mm-hmm. That was that was it. He was happy. Um, so he went to work every morning very early. Um, he was a custodian for the school department in Worcester, and um, you know, tough tough job. Um, but um, I never went without anything. I was an only child, and and you know, um, was really well. I never went without a thing. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, shout out, shout out to all those blue collar folk p- parents out there, workers. It's oh, yeah. they, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's amazing. You know, <clears throat> I know. What's that? I said it's like the name of one of my favorite John Lennon songs, "The Working Class Hero." Oh yeah, John Lennon, fantastic musician. What a what a brilliant mind. He was, and and probably. You know, the, one of the greatest influences in my life, um, having spent you know time around those people when I was very young, mm-hmm. and and who was like actually became like a secondary dad to me. So um, yeah, that in fact it was when he died that I quit playing music. Oh really? Yeah, and it was um what 45 more or more years before i recorded again really um, and it was uh oddly enough it was ringo who talked me into it that's amazing who came back and said it's time for you to record again and, and make you know do which what you used to love and when you were a kid and and then, you know, it helped me pull together some legendary people to play on, on my record. Um, and so I went down to Nashville and and I, I recorded uh, two songs, the first two songs for what will eventually become an album called Walking with Legends. Okay. Because of the people who play on it. Um, and, um, and Down Home Georgia was our first release. Um, that had Robbie Krieger from The Doors playing slide guitar. Oh, man. Albert Lee, um, who's a guitar legend playing lead guitar. Um, and he's Clapton's favorite guitarist um, and played for Eric for years. That's um, unbelievable. Uh, Scarlett Rivera from Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder Review playing fiddle. Um, Charlie McCoy, a uh, country legend that was in Elvis Presley's band but also um was 18 years of music director on hee-haw oh wow um, so he's he's like a country legend um norbert putnam who was one of the original muscle shoals rhythm section guys then became the bass player for elvis presley's tcb band um and then he went to nashville um and became about one of the, I'd say he was about the biggest producer of 
country acts in the world and he was also responsible for bringing all the pop stars and rock stars and whatnot to Nashville to record. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and then we had uh, Spooner Oldham um, from the uh, Muscle Shoals Rhythm section, and he wrote great songs like "I'm Your Puppet." Um, you know, so just legendary guys. Ronnie Tut was supposed to play drums for me, which was Elvis's drummer, but um, he had broken his hip when we were down there, and we went to visit him. Mm-hmm. told me some great Elvis stories and, and uh, said he was going to record with me when I went back. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in the meanwhile. So, um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So that's not going to happen yet, but he was a legendary drummer. Um, wonderful guy. Uh, great stories that we heard from him. Um, and um, just so nice to visit with him. Um, who else? Uh, Dan Dugmore, who they called the king of the California sound on pedal steel. He played 35 years for Linda Ronstadt, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Jackson Brown. Oh, wow. Um, and Spooner, by the way, also, aside from writing great songs and being one of the Muscle Shoals guys, played about 15 years with Neil Young. Um, and who else? Eddie Bears, who uh, 16 years in a row won Best Drummer at the Country Music Awards. And they're all Country Music Hall of Fame people. And then we had uh, the rest of them were all members of the uh, Grand Ole Opry Band. So some great players. And um, going forward, Ringo's supposed to play with me. Um, he, he did on one, one song, but it was only the, the demo. They got everything started. Um, and... Um, Joe Walsh, um, yeah, people like that. Willie Nelson, just you know, like there's a whole bunch of people that have agreed to, to play it on the album when I eventually finish it. You know? I got a Joe Walsh thing for you. Um, so the the, the James Gang, <clears throat> I don't know if you knew this or not, but one of uh, when James they gang? the James Gang, one of the members used to have a house out in Huntington. Um, which is about 20 minutes north of where I am. Really? Yes, and they used to go up there and jam. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, and my and cousins lived up in Huntington and, and knew people up there. Um, but on the, I got to find out what I'll 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 shoot you a text or call you um, within the next couple of days, and I'll let you know. But on the back of the album, one of the James Gang's album covers, there was a picture outside of the his camp up there in Huntington. So. Um, okay. just, just, just some random music knowledge. Um, but I always, you know, you hear, you hear that James gang and it's like, Oh yeah. They had a, one of the guys had a house up there. Um, I love that guy. He's such a funny guy too. He's Ringo's brother-in-law, you know, Joe Walsh's. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. I, I mean, yeah, he married Margie, Barbara's sister. So they and, go everywhere together. That's awesome. I mean, he's a fan, he's a great musician, you know, just I have probably one of the best guitar players. Again, his favorite guitar player, like a lot of people, seems to be Albert Lee. Um, and he's just amazing, Albert. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so pleased to get to be friends with these people, let alone play music with them, you know. Well, you know, it's <clears throat> Deck or Cornell and I have, uh, talked about this yeah no that's okay cornell dex uh he's listening love that guy um 
you know, we, we talked about that just like, he's a great man. He, he really is. And you want to talk about somebody that lifts other people up and puts that man, that man is, uh, um, we need more people like him. Um, with you on that one yeah it he's good good person and him and i have had some uh you know in our in our short time that we've been we've come together and um started you know working with each other and um he's just he's been awesome like very humbling moments with that man and uh and i and i appreciate him and everything he does um i can understand that he's uh yeah he's one of the better guys in this this crazy world we all live in. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a crazy world, and but you know, <laughs> the one it's, thing it needs to be. It's gotten to be. Yeah, it's you know, it's just you know, as crazy as things are, um, we still have music, and the Lord. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I personally, when we went through COVID, um, it that killed me. Not being able to go see live shows, seeing bands play. I I think my big mistake, one of the things, big mistakes I made is that um, I was invited to go and and play all these drive-in shows that people were doing in the South, country people, and it was before I made the record. So I didn't really think anybody would want to listen, but apparently a lot of, few people that did it um, ended up, you know, pretty big country stars afterwards. Um, so I think that was a mistake. Although, you know, when we did put my record out, it eventually uh, went to number one. Um, you had, you were what, six weeks or eight weeks on the charts at number one? Um, it, it was uh, three cycles, which is, uh, so three weeks at number one in, in the uh, magazines, the uh, charted magazines and national radio hits, um, New Music Weekly, um, the Independent Music Network also voted me like um, best new country artist of the year or something like that. But um, it was, um, yeah, I was visiting uh, my daughter and um, and my grandsons, my two grandsons um, in Hawaii. Um, I I didn't realize that I had a daughter and found out um, through a, a thing uh, with 23andMe. Oh, wow. Um, my cousin called me up and, and asked about it um, and said that this, her son had done a, um, a school project and had to use 23andMe and connected with this girl who um, was his second cousin and I was the only first cousin they had. Oh, so, really? Um, yeah, I found out that I had a daughter who was a doctor in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And, uh, I had to wait two and a half years for COVID to wind down because Hawaii wasn't letting people in. Mm-hmm. And um, I finally got to go over there. And, uh, they're not, you know, she was born in Massachusetts as well. And so were the boys. Um, and I was there visiting them. And Ringo called me up to tell me when I hit number one. I had no idea. I I didn't even believe, to be honest, I thought he was pulling my chance. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, all the way around, you know, pretty, pretty uh, special time. And, um, 
that was one of the greatest gifts of my life because I, I had, um, you know, lost my mom um, and dad, you know, some years before before that. Mm-hmm. And um, had no, no family here in the States at all. And then found out that um, that I had my daughter Amy and and two grandsons. That's great. Yeah, I feel a bit old because my grandson, the older of the two of them, just turned uh, just turned eighteen. Oh wow! On, okay. Uh, July first, and I was like, "Ouch!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I should be old enough to have a kid that old, but uh, it's a grandchild, but. It is what it is. Yeah, time time stops for no one. Oh, absolutely! A wonderful, you know. I love those kids to death. They're just amazing. That's great, and and you know, it's uh, you know, having having a spot to go like Hawaii for a uh, for to to visit family is not a bad thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had to be honest. I had a nice time, but uh, one of the the my daughter's friends asked me the night before I left what my favorite, you know, what, what did I like about the island the most? Uh, they're on the big island. And I just said the family because, to be honest, um, I felt that the big island looked an awful lot like California with a lot of hardened black lava rock on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess some of the other islands are more lush and... Yeah. Uh, and when we went to the other side of the island, that looked like it might be that way, uh, some some bits of it. Um, we went to see the volcano, and um, the day we went was the first time in, I think they said, 15 years or 20 years or something that it didn't even glow. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of disappointed in that. But uh, um, And then I left, and the thing blew up. You know, it's... <laughs> Started erupting. You, you made your mark. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, so. <clears throat> Didn't hurt them. I don't care. No, that's great. So you you found out you have a daughter. You have two grandkids out there. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, yeah, that, that, that's nice. And, and uh, you know, I, apparently she can sing. I, I didn't get to hear her. Um, cause she was really busy with all the medical stuff when I was there because of COVID and everything. So we didn't, you know, I actually ended up spending more time with the kids, but, um, we, we did spend, a, you know, some days together and showing me around the island and stuff, but I didn't, um, I didn't get to hear her saying, you know, she's be the only one of my kids that does what I do too. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully, um, uh, hopefully someday uh, she can share share that with you, and uh, yeah, you can enjoy I'm that. Looking forward to that, you know. Yeah, I get, know the youngest son says, you know, says that he can sing too. Um, and I actually sang once with him. He's got a pretty nice voice. Um, Joe Walsh actually made a joke where he told him that I was going to lose my voice soon, so he needs to take over. <laughs> <laughs> He's like how much older than me, and and he can still hit the same notes. So I guess I hope it was a joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've had points where my voice did die off, but it was um, reflux, 
and I've taken care of that. So. Nice. Now, do you when before you sing, do you have any like rituals or uh, drinks or anything that you do? Um, yeah, um, I have. Um, first off, I went to see a doctor who you know put a scope down my th- a strobe scope down my throat to um, to see what was going on because I was having a hard time, and um, he found that it was reflux and. There's a uh, Gaviscon product that you can't buy in a store or drugstore in America. So I have to send to overseas for it. Oh, wow. Um, But you can buy it through like Amazon and stuff like that. Um, It's called Gaviscon Plus. Okay. I think it's Plus, something like that. Gaviscon, no, I don't, maybe it isn't Plus. I I forgot. Anyways, I, I drink. Uh, a couple of tablespoons of that every night before I, I go to bed and I have to sleep on an angle um, with my head raised so that um, my throat doesn't get burned while I sleep by my stomach mm-hmm. which is the enemy of your voice and then I've, I've learned to do a lot of vocal exercises and um, and physical things that um, exercises that move your vocal box about because apparently um, your vocal box can raise up, um, and if it's not down where it's supposed to be, um, it, it can create hoarseness. Okay. So I do some physical exercises and stretches and um, some exor- vocal exercises with a straw so that it creates like a backward pressure. Mm-hmm. Going, yeah, and... and uh, it helps. I can get my notes. So, um, you know, I mean, it's like I've yet to um, go out on tour since this uh, record came out. So, um, but I, I practice singing a certain amount of songs every day just to see, you know, that my voice holds up. Yep. And so far, so good. Fantastic. So, in the near future, you're looking at possibly doing a little bit of a tour? Well, I just, um, the other day, um, I was like, I don't know where this came from, really. Well, I found out afterwards, but I, I turned my TV on. You know how the uh, the things come on uh, with the advertisements for the movies and streaming TV, and then the music stuff shows different pictures and, and links to, you know, yep. what kind of music you want to listen to? Yep. And first, the country music thing came on with my picture. Really? And it said, Kevin Michaels, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, and more. And I clicked on it, and there was some really big uh, country acts. And um, and then there was one with Elvis in my name. Um, and, I, and somebody told me that they thought it was just you know, algorithms from what I watch. But I honestly, I don't watch myself, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, while I love Willie, I I don't really, you know, play him on, on my computer or my TV. Um, so I, I, you know, and, and at the same time, um, my son who lives in Switzerland, uh, wrote me and that he had seen it and said, I'm proud of you, Poppy. And it's, um, so 
and the Australian son, who's the youngest one, um, also wrote something about my, me and my music and um, having seen that. So they, whoever told me that was wrong, that was an actual thing that happened and, and it was all shown all over the world. And then um, the following Monday morning, I get a call from a, um, a big management company that does personal management for artists, or recording artists, but also international tours. Okay. And they want to sign me, and that that's um, kind of where things are headed. And then he had me, um, he sent um, my song Down Home Georgia, which I guess now is time for a plug. Great, great, great song. So he, um, he sent my, um, my song Down Home Georgia over to a friend of his who's a executive vice president at Sony Music. And he really loved it and wanted the press kit. So um, who knows what's going to happen. I was trying to put, you know, everything out myself and and felt like a stranger in a strange land because things aren't the way they used to be at all mm-hmm. in the gaming world. And um, and so I really want a big label. And um, I think that, you know, I mean, I get a lot of notoriety as far as people knowing who I am and everything. But, um, but it didn't make a lot of money because I didn't know what the hell I was doing anymore. And, and um, I think the, the record company um, would, would change that. Um, and so who knows what's going to happen, but, um, you know, um, but they, that guy really loved the music and asked for a press kit, um, which I spent the next, um, you know, three or four days and nights putting together. Um, and, and I guess they were pretty impressed by what I put together. So, um, so we shall see. You know, oh, that would be nice. That would be a life-changing event. Good for good. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I've said this before. I said sometimes the universe just things need to happen, and certain things need to line up, and everything's got to fall into order for for things to happen. You know, everything happens for a reason. Well, as it turned out, you know, I've been talking uh, at least three nights a week to Chris Christopherson who's not really doing all that well anymore. And um, he's kind of my writing hero, my songwriting hero. He, he, um, he's an amazing songwriter. No, he's just brilliant. And, you know, he's a Rhodes Scholar, went to Oxford. Um, but he's he's not well. Uh, he's had physical problems for a while now. And um, actually, at one point, they thought he had Alzheimer's and found out that it was... Um, uh, when you get bit by a deer tick, Lyme disease. Oh my God! My yeah, yeah. And um, so he's um, he's had his share of problems, and um, you know retired. But we talk um, at least three nights a week and text to each other, and and um, you know when we talk, we talk for a long time, uh, pretty late at night. He's in Hawaii. He lives on Maui. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what I found out uh, from Connie Nelson, who is Willie Nelson's ex, um, and you know I knew her because I was really close with her with their daughter uh, Paula at one point, um, and um, and apparently Chris called Willie 
and said that they should do something to help me with my career. And, and, um, and then that thing showed up. So, you know, I think all this stuff started happening. So I think it was, uh, it was probably Chris that, uh, initiated it and, uh, God love them for that. You know, I, I certainly do. Well, you know, and that's that people, people that have the ability to help other people and lift them up, you know, especially, you know, I, my heart goes out to artists, musicians, because you put yourself out there in a way you, you, you're opening up, you're vulnerable. You don't know what the, the audience's reaction is going to be to what you're doing. And, you know, you're, you're, you're vulnerable and, uh, you know, And in the way the industry is now, it's, I mean, I'm not in the music business and I, but I follow the music business and know people that are in it. And it is a absolute dog eat dog cutthroat. And, you know, when these, you know, when you have people that can, that can help you and, um, you know, that's, that's the universe lining up. That's karma whatever you want to call it, that's, uh, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, you know, to, to have help from people that I have gotten help from over the years, um, you know, Phil Oaks, who was a major folk singer, um, the Beatles, um, you know, um, and Chris and Willie, I mean, that's that's just insane. And, but it's wonderful that people like that care enough to help someone along, you know, um, coming up, uh, I mean, you know, and they, I mean, I guess you have to be good at what you do, but, um, sure. you know, and, and I said, I was going to plug this, so I will now, but to anybody listening, you want to, um, either go to kevinmichaels.com, um, and it's spelled K E V A N not I N. Uh, michaels.com and um, and my song Down Home Georgia is on there on Bandcamp um, and it's on uh, you can listen to it if you want on YouTube um, and if you do please subscribe and click like that's right give, um, give them some likes yeah and it's on Apple Music too and um, I guess Spotify as well um, but um yeah, so the, the you know, it's amazing the recognition I've gotten because of the radio play. Mm-hmm. We still play followed an old route, so you know, um, and uh, radio play is not that important anymore. It's what your your streams, and you know, I have no i no idea how to deal with that still so you know um, you know and that used to be the thing kevin is you know wait anticipating an artist to release their work going to a music store picking up a physical copy of an album a record yeah Yeah. i i like vinyl i have i do too i mean you used to not only is the sound better and more pure but you you would open that package up Yes, and, and have the words on the on the liner, and yes, and sometimes posters and pictures. Yes, and, and, you know, and that's all gone. It was it was gone when they when they switched to, uh, you know, CDs and 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 
of the like, you know, I mean, I can remember the moment when I walked into uh, the record store out here, um, it's called The Warehouse, and um, we were doing a show called Space Bridge 92, so it was in 92, it was a TV show, with a bunch of stars in it, and um, it was the first multi-cast, a multi-satellite cast show on an Academy Award night special. Um, and I got permission from Yoko so we could sing um, Imagine. And it was when Russia um, tore down the wall and um, and we, we wrote a song, myself and this other guy, Mark Fulton, wrote a song called Let Freedom Ring. Mm -hmm. And uh, we sang that with all these celebrities, Richard Pryor, George Byrne, like everybody in Hollywood that didn't go to the big show was at this show. And um, it was like um, I went into the warehouse to get the, you know, to get the uh, records for all the people to learn Imagine. And I walked in and there's all these little discs in there. And I was like, where are the records? <laughs> mm-hmm. The guy said, what rock have you been under? Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what do you mean? He goes, there hasn't been records for a couple of years. I was like, oh, my God. I had no idea because I just, after John died, I get so far out of music. I didn't even, I used to have the radios taken out of my car. Really? Because it was that depressing for me. And, and, and music should never be that for you. No, it should not. No. But, I mean, um, you know, the band that I was in had two guys that killed themselves and, and, you know, and then this guy that I, I looked at like a second dad and certainly a mentor um, was murdered. And it was just, it just took all the joy out of it for me. It was like, I didn't, I didn't even want that memory at all. Um, but, you know, I'm thankful that Ringo talked me into it. I, um, uh, the, the love for it all has come back full force. Um, it was actually even before him, there was a, um, a kid that I was helping with a, a drug and alcohol problem. Um, and, uh, that I, I, I mean, he, he was probably as close to being a son as you could be without mm -hmm. sharing the same blood. Um, and he was a very talented kid and he really like gave me some love for music again in, in, getting to sing and play guitar around the house and, um, you know, and, and getting out and playing at people's parties and whatnot. And so I was kind of halfway home because of him. Um, he unfortunately, um, he met a bad end. And, um, so I, you know, it, it's like, it, it's almost like he was an angel that was put in my life to get me back to do what, what you were meant to do to, to play music again and and then he moved on and went back you know um that's a beautiful way to look at that yeah i mean yeah i have to look at it that way because it, it, it was a really painful event it was not long after my mom died so um you know i'm, I'm my mother really wanted me to get back to music um always you know, and one of the last things she said to me was that um, 
that, that she wanted to see if she could have one wish it would be to see me um, have that uh, musical notoriety again and, um, and you know she passed before any of that happened but I believe she can see oh absolutely I I and that knows that I did what I did since then and, and I'm not done I'm, I'm, I'm back I may not be you know uh, pretty kid anymore, but I'm back and 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 I think uh, some people think my voice is better now than it ever was. So um, you know, uh, the song uh, "Down Home Georgia" is um, a song I wrote when I was 14 years old, and the second song that we recorded um, was a song called "For You," um, which was my mom's favorite song, my my favorite song. My uh, I wrote it with my cousin Paul, who was very well known in bands around the area in Massachusetts and New England back in the day. Um, he was in a uh, initially in a band called Section Five. They became Hard Road, Cox Newton Taylor, and Pretty Poison, which was a um, Pretty Poison was kind of a. Um, a compilation band of like a super New England super group. Yeah. The guys, the Joneses who became, you know, um, I forgot what their, their, their big band that they became afterwards, but then, you know, a couple of them became part of, um, pretty poison. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, we basically in my, you know, the musicians in my family, which are just my cousin Paul and myself, I grew up in the music world in, in Massachusetts and New England. And, um, and it was a great place to grow up. Um, and to, uh, it was a lot of great musicians and, and a lot of talented people there. It's funny you say that because, uh, like I go to, I try to go to local shows all the time, support local, yeah. local musicians. Good, and, uh, you know, Western mass Massachusetts and in Western mass, um, we've got some of the, like, there's a lot of, I'm, <clears throat> there's a lot of heavy metal bands here and, uh, you know, uh, both guitar. Is there, now there is. What's that? I said, now there's a lot of heavy metal bands there. Oh yeah. Mass, Western mass. Um, it kind of, it kind of was the birthplace for this. Not it, it, it really took off, um, called metalcore. Um, okay. where, so bands like kill switch and gauge, which are from Westfield mass. Um, okay. you know, one of the guitar players lives in my hometown. Um, two of the guitar players for this band shadows fall. They're, Westfield based. Um, one of them actually plays with anthrax. Um, so th there's a lot of, there's just, there's a lot. I don't know if it's just the energy that's here in this, in this part, in this state, um, or, you know, the people that put that energy off where it just attracts other people that are, you know, artists. I don't think it's the whole state. That's the interesting part. It seems to be pockets. Um, the Berkshire certainly is, is magical. Um, and I think it just, it's like out here, there are areas like, you know, that, uh, I think are magical where, um, and the creative people tend to live in those areas, which just somehow, uh, oddly enough, um, you know, is a mill town, but it's, it, and a college town, 
but it it uh, produced a lot of really good musicians. Um, so that's it's one pocket for sure. But um, uh, it's funny because when I think of Western Massachusetts, I think of James Taylor and Tanglewood. Yeah, and, and, you, and a lot of people Arnold do. Guthrie and people like that. And, and it's there. You know what? It's <clears throat> so James Taylor. He, he'll there's like little, little hole in the wall. Uh, mom and pop pubs up there that he'll just yep. walk into for open mic night and he'll play for a couple hours. There could be like two oh, yeah. people in there or 10 people in there. Um, yeah. You know, in the town I'm in, there's a place called, uh, I'm going to give a shout out, Luthier's Co-op. Um, a friend of mine's two brothers own it. Um, it's a guitar shop and they have uh, live music there. Um, you can go in Wednesday nights, plug in. Um, you can do spoken word. You can play um, whatever uh, my son's, my, my middle son, his, um, one of his, his best friend, um, started playing guitar a couple of years ago and he's an absolute phenom, um, in the sense where he can just, he listens to a song and then he can play it and he's had no structured lessons. He's had nothing. Um, yeah, it just, you know, you know, uh, like to me, those are prodigies and it's, it's, it seems more common now than it ever was. And I question always, is it, um, is it only because we know about it now because of the internet, all these prodigies that come out of places that, you know, you know, that we, you know, wouldn't think to look, um, or if they've always been there and until the internet, we didn't know about them. That's what I question myself. I have that question all the time. That's a great question. And, I, and personally, I think these people have always been there. Um, and that, I th- that probably is the likely answer. You know, and, and it's funny because you can, I, I have this, I can, I connect with people. I, it's just a gift I have. I walk into a room and I can just connect with people and start talking and I can talk for hours on hours and hours. Yeah, I, I get it. I'm like that too. You know, but that's people like that, that are positive and that throw off that energy. They attract that type of person to them. You know, I, I believe they do, you know, yeah, I, that's, that's true. you know, again, you know, we're having this conversation through Cornell Um Again, him and I connected, and and in more ways than one, we've had this conversation that that we just—it's it, not just coincidence that things happen, and and you talk to people, and you, you know, I believe there's a there's a there's some type of a plan. Maybe it's yeah. I, I always questioned if like you know if reincarnation was a thing. At one point, you know, I remember thinking about that 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 we just always like get back to the same people. Yeah. I, yeah. That, or, that energy. And that's why we're attracted to these people or, or we find each other no matter where we are. Cause it does seem to be that way. It does. And you know, and I, and like the negative people, I want nothing to do with negativity. Yeah, well, that's, that's hard to, to bear. I, I, yeah, it's, I, it, I find, I find, I sometimes call them energy vampires because. Oh my god! I, yeah, is a good. It's a good analogy, right? Yeah, that's because, that's perfect. Yeah, because I, I, you know, there's even pe- some people I like that are like that. You know, I like them, but I try not to spend quite as much time around them. 
there's like one guy in particular that I know that you know a lot of my my friends hang out with him all the time and he just goes on and on and it's all this negative stuff and I feel like 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 the air is being sucked out of my lungs and I'm gonna have a heart attack yeah it drags you down oh my god it's yeah. like you literally can get physically ill yep yeah, no, I know it's yeah because now you know it. I don't know if it pulls pulls away the positive, you know that whatever you're. It, that's it's funny you say that because I know exactly how you feel and I've gotten to the point where you know and I was just telling these guys at work today. Um, we were you know I I had told them you know oh yeah I'm doing a podcast tonight and they're like oh really, I said yeah I said, check it out. Um, I hope they didn't come for the first part. Yeah, well, you know what? If they did, you know, there's uh we have a bunch of people I'm looking on the computer right now engaging. Um, they're loving it. Um, got got a nice response here. Um, you know, thank thank you to whoever did is is responding in that way. Yeah, no, there's a bunch of good people. Just you know, and that's again the, the whole point of me starting this was to connect with people that were positive people that had positive influences in their lives and, 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 you know, trying to make a difference or made some type of a difference. Well, we need that now, brother. I'll tell you that. Oh um, my God. I, I don't remember any period in my life, certainly where we were this divided and even historically, you know, being kind of a history buff, I don't, I can't think of a time when, when we were, you know, not just America, but the world, it's just so it, divided. It is. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's heartbreaking really. And I, I tell my kids this, I tell friends this, I said, you want to start making a change, hold the door for somebody in the morning. Say true. And this is something that, that I'm very, um, you know, I, I do these, um, you know, as I said, I, I, it's just part of what I do is like, um, help a lot of young people with drug and alcohol problems. Um, and you're, and it, it, it you're, just helps, it helps me as well. I mean, it, 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 um, it's such a positive thing to do and and uh, you know if if you save one life or you know whatever it's like just uh an amazing i mean you what can what can you ask for you know it's like just one person it's it's amazing you do it it's heartbreaking when they don't make it but um but uh you know, I, 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 I don't know. That's that that that's. I think that um, you know, I, I myself had that, like a problem with alcohol when I was a kid and mm-hmm. and growing up, and um, and I just feel like you know, like I have to give back, and um, and it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a wonderful feeling if you. Um, I find giving to be a lot better than receiving in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely. You know, so positive vibes are a good thing. I I know that, um, you know, the one um, when before my mom left for like four or five years before she left, um, uh, she she had uh, dementia and. Um, you know, I had the option of leaving her at a 
a nursing facility mm-hmm. or taking her home. But if I took her home, it's 24 mm-hmm. seven. And, and I basically have to give up everything for that. And, and that's what I opted to do. And, and it, it was very difficult, but also very beautiful. And, um, I think the best thing I've ever done in my life. And when she left, um, she left on, I love you and a kiss. And she told me, um, I love my life, my life with you. I've enjoyed every second of my life because of you. And it's like, you couldn't ask for more than that at the end of the day. No, it's, uh, yeah, that's uh, a little emotional right now with that. Yeah, it gets, it, it gets me every time. And I, I mean, um, you know, as, as having dementia, you know, sometimes she couldn't talk for months and everything, but she, she managed to speak in the end and, you know, she woke up out of a coma, three days in a coma and woke up to, to kiss me goodbye. And, and, um, and, and to smile at me. That's, um, that's a beautiful ending. It really is. And I'm blessed that both my parents, when they left, um, it was um, on I Love You and a Kiss. And, you know, uh, my dad, too, the, he passed in his sleep, like, you know, maybe an hour after um, we had this this really beautiful conversation. And, um, uh, you know, I was, I was making a movie, which... Um, you know, which is something that I had a movie I had wanted to make for a real long time. And I remember saying to him, I'm going to make you proud, Dad. And he said, I've been proud of you since the first moment I set eyes on you. And I love you so much. And, and you know, then I went and got some warm milk so I could go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was snoring. He was sound asleep. I went upstairs and a couple hours later, my mom was at the foot of my bed saying there's something wrong with your dad and he had passed in his sleep. Um, so I, I mean, unfortunately dying is a part of living, mm-hmm. but you can't ask for more than those endings, you know, um, to, to have the, the, the two people that raised you or that you love so much to, to, um, you know, to, to leave you with, I love you and a kiss is just, you can't ask for more than that. No, that's, it's like I, it's it's the perfect ending to, um, to a long, beautiful life. Yeah, it it really is. And, and I'm very blessed that my mom, well, my dad only made it to 83, which is what Ringo is now. Um, knocking on wood, (laughs) Uh, but, um, He's doing amazing, though. He looks like a kid. <laughs> well, it's that. It's that. My mother was almost ninety-six when she passed. Oh wow! Um, you know, and and her family lives long. Um, two of her cousins made it. You know, they didn't have Al- Alzheimer's or, or dementia, so they they made it longer than she did. But um, one of them just died at uh, 109 oh wow that's awesome and she read, read historical novels to blind kids and swam every day oh my I god until three days before she died and, and where was she from what um where was she from Birmingham. <laughs> oh really 
for Indiana, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, that, that uh, side of my family, they had a lot of businesses around Worcester and around New England. Um, they were in, in the uh, lumberyard business and construction and all that stuff. Yep. Um, it was the, uh, my mom was uh, Italian and Apache Indian. The Italian side were, um, you know, all into the, all that stuff. Um, and my dad was like 100% Irish. You know? Okay, so you have a good mix. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, it's an interesting mix. You know, I mean, you hear of a lot of Italian, Irish Italians in, in that part of the world mm -hmm. and, and all the way down to New York and New Jersey, but um, actually into Pennsylvania as well. But you, um, I think the Apache Indian is kind of a, a, a odd mix, um, you know, with, with that uh, combination. Well, um, and, and I I'm, like it, though. You know, and that's, you know, Native Americans are connected with spiritually a lot of things. Oh my God. Yes. You know, um, and I, and I think there's something to be said about that. Um, yeah, there definitely is, you know, but yet my, uh, my great, my father's grandfather on, on his father or mother's side was, he was, um, he was off the boat, um, from Italy. Um, oh, really? yeah, he was, uh, um, came here and he was a, uh, he was a Mason. Um, he, in the Northampton. Oh my. Yep. He, uh, built a water fountain that still, still stands in the, um, by the courthouse in Northampton. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And he did a lot of stucco houses. It's a beautiful area. It is. And, and it used to be a hub for music. Um, you could, you know, there was the iron horse, there was Pearl street, Calvin. Um, there was, uh, there, there's another theater there too. Um, but that used, that was where I would go as a kid. Um, you want to see live shows, you got to go to Northampton cause there's nothing, you know, my town. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah. It, my town was a mill town and a farmer. I grew up on a farm. Um, you know, my hey, family. You said that when we talked the other day, that's great, man. That's interesting. My family also came, uh, from a farm, but it was actually in kind of in the middle of Worcester, which is weird, but it was a pretty big uh, farm at one point. What uh, what what did they have for? Uh, were they animals or vegetables? They had different animals. They had cows and and goats and all that kind of stuff. Um, okay. I only remember vaguely. It was kind of starting to. It was um. It was called the Frangillo Estate, and it was like like if basically most of it's been sold off now, and they've built you know new houses and stuff there. The last time I was back there. Um, you know, I'd say for the last maybe 15 or 20 years, 20 years, maybe even longer, um, the the actual big acreage has been sold off to that. And they still kept a certain amount more mm -hmm. land than most places in Worcester had. But, um, but now all the streets are named after the, the family members. Okay. So it's kind of cool, too, you know. that That's very similar story to our farm. Yeah. Yeah. My, my grandfather's, uh, yep. One of his young, both of his younger brothers were, uh, carpenters and they, uh, they, they built a lot of homes in, t in this town. And then when my grandfather sold, and his brothers sold the farm, um, one of the brothers bought it and then put homes up on it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That seems to be what, 
what happens to a lot of the, you know, to a lot of the farms. Um, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen to all of them because we certainly need them. It, farmer, it, yeah, and, we do. It, the The small town farmer. It was so. It's so hard to compete with, especially you know we were for the area. We were a very large farm. We would go through three thousand pigs in a year. Um, wow, that's you. Yeah, it, it, for for Massachusetts, it was a um, you know it was a very big big farm. We had a, like one hundred and fifty head of beef cattle. Um, wow. We had turkeys, and then as a kid, I had I had chickens, and you know uh, I ended up. I forget what grade it was. We we raised, hatched chickens at school, and one family took them home. Then decided they didn't want twenty five chickens, so oh they ended up, they ended up at my in my at my house in my chicken coop. So, wow, <laughs> that was uh, That's wild. but yeah, you know, growing up in that in that farming community, um, there's a lot of people, and I and I've said this before to to other people, and um you know, they're, they're willing to give even when they don't have anything to give. Yeah, this is true. They, um, you know, helping each other out. They're like salt of the earth people. They sure are. You know, and, and it's, it's just, I mean, we need not just the farmers, but those kind of people, you know? Yeah. It, I, it, it, that, that, that's, Exactly. Those, those types of people, we, you don't have that. And I feel that these younger generations, especially now, they're so disconnected with that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's sad. Um, yeah. I mean, even like, to be, to be honest, like when I was visiting my, I was talking about visiting the grandkids and stuff, they hardly ever go out, you know, they, they play video games and, in each one of their rooms and and you know it's it's now they got thank god now they got jobs and stuff and they're you know they're out with um um you know they're out doing that at least but but they didn't go out a lot like i mean when we were kids we were always out it was like you yeah. go out and play when you're really young and then you know they have bicycle rides in the country and all you know yeah. whatever it's it's uh you know, we used to go um, hiking up the, in the mountains in New Hampshire, and you know, in the Berkshires and all that. And and uh, you just don't see a lot of that anymore. It's really kind of sad. Yeah, there's a there's a major. Yeah, the, I mean, even you know, we're connected through a phone, which is essentially a computer in our hand. Yeah. And yeah, these are these are yeah. And I I mean, it, they're great, and it now it's now it's become a tool for, for me. You know, because you have your notes in there, you have your your date. You know, you have you can do all this stuff, and it's like, man, what happened to like writing stuff down? True. You know, all it just, you know, nobody writes letters to anybody anymore. No, they don't, and it's like you know, texting is a, like like another thing that um, I find it weird because I mean I do it sometimes, but only short you know, bursts. I, I just, when people write big, long texts and stuff, I don't call me. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a conversation because yeah, you, you, and in tone, you can't get tone in a text 
you know and, and sometimes you write a written word doesn't you're not hearing the sen- you're not hearing the expression from the person so you're not getting the sentiment the way yes. sometimes it can cause problems absolutely you know? like Cause they think yes. you said something one way and and you meant it a, a totally different way you know yeah no it's it I completely agree with you it's like yeah just yeah you know what sometimes a phone call is necessary yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's a lot more personal. That's for sure. And, it sure is. Um, um, I know it's one of the things I love about Cornell too. Cornell, Cornell he calls. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like John was uh, back in the day. I don't know, like, I'm not really good at long, super long conversations on the phone and stuff like that. A lot of times, like if I'm doing something, I won't even answer. But, um, but I'd still rather talk than text. Yeah. Um, and Cornell will call and every once in a while and just check up how I'm doing. And, and, you know, it's great to know that, that there's people out there who care what's about you, you know, just, and uh, um, yeah, so it's um, it's it's just otherwise, you know. I mean, I feel bad when I see my, you know, my grandkids um, basically staying in the house all the time, and, and you know, and and even when they're out, they're looking at that little screen, yeah, the whole, and and you know, playing games on it, or um, you know, you're driving and you're seeing all this beautiful stuff around you. Mm-hmm. And they're they're looking at a little screen, a little tiny screen that you know is going to bother your eyes, even let alone you know. And, and the, the world is going by. It's just kind of sad. It sure um, is. It's. Uh, I, I I fear that technology, while it has its uses, um, I'm not quite sure that it. It's uh, it's necessarily a hundred percent a good thing. I don't think it is actually. No, I agree with you. And like I now think with it's cool, like you said, that we can do this. But um... yeah, it, I mean, there's there's definitely advantages, but then you get into artificial intelligence, and like you know, there's some artists that are using that to create music now. I know. Like, well, and the it's Beatles, the Beatles just did a um, their last record together, and and. You know, Chris Ringo was like, "Don't worry, we'll never use AI on John Lennon's voice." And and then the, you know the he said no to it at first. Um, he got really talked into it by Paul and and by um, you know Giles Martin and stuff um, because it was the last. They oh, come on, you know, it's like you played you were the drummer for the Beatles and this is the last Beatle record you'll ever play on, you know, that you'll ever be able to play on. But he especially didn't want to do it when he found out that while they didn't put AI on John's voice, they put AI on Paul's to make him sound younger. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's it's kind of, you know, I know that right now they're having a strike here, and uh, two strikes here in Hollywood. Um, one is the, the uh, writers, and now the actors have joined it. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, uh, a lot of it's a fear of AI and, um, you know, and stuff like that. And um, and streaming and not getting paid for it. And you hit the nail on the head, you, you know, the streaming. I, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. 
but yeah, that's the age we live in and it and it's you know and you know the other thing that kills me is you know the ticket prices to go see some of these shows oh my god where the artists aren't set in you know when people get pissed off at the artists it's like it's listen the company don't pay them anymore that's why and then the, and then the venues are taking their merch cuts like yes they do, they and, do. And, and i i you know Which and i fine if they put money into it but you know it, that's exactly. But they don't like you. You know, you show up to play a venue, and it's like, yeah, we're going to take thirty percent of your merchandise. Like what? Yeah. I, yeah. These smaller bands, like a lot of them, just can't tour now because they can't afford to do that. You the guys, I, I I have some guys that are um, that you know I've been talking to about. They're a three piece band. Um, and I need more than that, but at least I wanted to use them as a, a core band to start with. Um, they're young guys um, in their 20s. They're brilliant. Um, you know, they just came off a tour with the Jonas Brothers or something, and they're, they're you know, do a couple on their own because they, they've got their own following of millions of people, but, um, but which, which, talking about doing something like what the band did with Dylan, where they can still play their own thing mm-hmm. and do what they want to do with their own music, but they can play with me um, and do, you know, background vocals and all that stuff. Um, you know, playing, they're great musicians, their voices are brilliant. They did a, um, uh, a TikTok um, thing on um uh, on the song Time of the Seasons. Okay. I showed it to Ringo, and he thought that they were mouthing to the record. Oh, that's really? That's how good it was. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Touring with, you know, having backup musicians or, you know, fellow musicians that you're playing with like that, they're going to yeah. bring a- another element of an audience that may not have ever saw you or heard you. Yeah, that's just true. You know, exposing well, you to younger... I think that, that it's not... not a great idea for me to go out and play with a bunch of, you know, with everybody my own age. Because it, um, it limits who wants to come see you. Sure. You know, even if they like the music, they might not want to sit and like, you know, but a bunch of young girls or something aren't going to want to go and want, watch a bunch of old guys playing music. Yeah. You know? I mean, maybe you're Paul McCartney, maybe they will. But, um, you know, but who knows? I mean, even, you know, I've heard things that I never thought I'd hear even about them. You know, one of my, I remember when, and this goes back, I remember when my son was, uh, Pele was, um, I think he was 14 or 15, about 15 maybe. And one of his friends said to me, oh, I heard you knew, um, you know, Paul McCartney. And I said, yeah. And he said, is it true he was in another band before Wings? And I was like, Pele, get that guy out of my house. Like, probably one of the most influential music they they created you know you had guys like johnny cash you know uh chuck berry uh elvis that you know that really got rock and roll started and then you had the beatles come along and redefine i mean they they create they you're never going to have another beatles no i don't think so no you know, I mean, you know, and it's one of the things that you know, Ringo. I call him Richie all the time because he doesn't like to be called Ringo by people that 
like family members or friends. Um, so just call him Mitchie. But he and I talk about this, have talked about this a lot. Like when Paul McCartney's last tour came out, you know, and we watched the, I was over at his house and we watched the, um, the stream of the first show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's having a hard time singing and it's the first show. It's like, you know, God bless him for doing what he's doing. And a lot of people are still thrilled about it, but you know, I get to go for free. Um, you know, the seats I had when he played at Dodger stadium, not this last time, but the time before that, when he still had more of a voice, um, I think that they were like $3,500 a piece or more. Oh my God. But I got them for free and it was like, you know, third row dead center. Mm-hmm. Um, you're so close that I couldn't even get a, a video of them on my, on my camera, on my phone mm-hmm. um, and get the whole body in it. I had to move back to get, to get pictures like that. Um, so, um, but you know what? I mean, I personally don't want, when that starts happening to me, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm not, I'm not in the same position as them, but their legend is so much mm-hmm. that I don't think it's a great idea to, to carry on, um, you, after a point. You, you're, it, you, cause you could tarnish what you work so hard to create. I think so. Yeah. I really think so. And, you know, because when I started seeing people writing, what I was thinking, but worse, you know, I mean, even uh, let's jump to Bon Jovi, you know, um, when he was singing in Houston and he couldn't sing anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and then the one song that he sang, which is one of the harder songs living on a, a prayer, um, was perfect. And then it got discovered that it was the tape or the record mm-hmm. and he was just mouthing it. Um, and there was all these streams, Houston, we got a problem and stuff like that. Like, you know, using the astronaut quote from back in the day. Um, I, I just wouldn't want that. I'd rather be Greta Garbo as a guy and be gone, you know, and just say, I, I hide my face. I don't want to see anybody, at whatever. I just want to live my life. Maybe, you know, buy a ranch somewhere in Europe and, and, and live, you know, the way my my relatives before me lived and mm-hmm. you know and just in peace and quiet and just uh, be remembered for what you did that was you know that was good and wonderful and I, I just don't want, I don't want whatever my art is to ever become a joke mm-hmm. and if it ever to me if it ever I don't know if I if I felt that wasn't good anymore, I wouldn't do it. You know, I just wouldn't do it. I I I don't want to charge people for you know just what my what my name is or what I did before if I can't live up to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I I think you know to be an artist in the true sense of the word, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that if John was still alive, he would not be playing. 
just be in the background, just living his life and enjoying himself. Yeah, I mean, he did it already, right? He did it be, for how many years before he made that last record, the last two records, and then get killed, uh, just so he could help raise his kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, he wouldn't be out there playing, um, playing music if he wasn't good anymore. Yep. I yeah. mean, he he had such a high standard. I, you know what I think it is too, Kevin. I is I think that when you know when you've be, become such a an icon and, and you, it's I'm sure it's addictive to to to, to do those shows and, and you know and you want you want people to continue and not forget you and and you want to be you know you want to be relevant in the moment and. You know, and I and I understand and I understand that because you know it's like in any any aspect, you know, whether it's work or you know being able to ride a bicycle or swim, you know, there comes a point in your life where you just have to stop because you can't physically do it. You know, you, there's just it's yeah. it it just happens. But yeah. no, I I know it's it's hard to see musicians that you put on you know you do put pe- people up on a pedestal because you you connect to them you appreciate what they're doing you know the message you know whatever it may be and when you see them falling off of that pedestal it's uh, it, it hurts this is true you and, know you know one of the things I'm, I'm pleased to say about Ringo is that he seems to have gotten better with age because be, you know what I I find with drummers, they're because they're always, you know, they have the best sheet seat in the show, because they're at the yeah, back and they get to see the whole sure. thing. They get to see the whole thing, but I think because they're always pushed to the back, you know, I feel like there's, you know, you have your exceptions like you know Phil Collins, um, yeah. you know who who you know is, you know, not doing any anything anymore because of his health and and. You know, God bless him. Well, yeah, this is true. You know, um, but you know, I think, you know, mentally, I think it kind of it weighs on them because they're tucked to the back. You don't really get to see them that much. You know, you can see them, but you don't see them. You know, they're not they're not the singer. They're not the lead guitar player or the bass player or the rhythm guitar player that's up on the stage that's right there in the spotlight. They're kind of in the back, and I and I feel like that. Uh, that sometimes maybe they don't want to come out of their shell or maybe they just don't feel like they can. I don't know. But oddly enough with, with Rich, when, when the Beatles were a thing, he actually got more fan mail than anybody else. Um, he was one of the most popular of the lot. Um, and yet he's doing what he's doing now, but he's just, I mean, you know, some of the guys that go with him, I could do without listening to them at this age, but um, but he's he's actually gotten better. I think when you listen, he put a record out. Uh, I want to say a year ago at New Year's or something like that. It was during COVID, and it was just really enjoyable to hear and um, and and his hear his voice in better form than it's ever been, mm-hmm. and. You know, he, he just sounded good. He, he looked good. And it was like, you know, one of those things that during a, a, a downtime, 
COVID, it like made you feel happy again, you know? Yeah. So, and you know, that's, that's the whole purpose of music as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we all have like memories related to the music. Absolutely. You know, it's like, where were we when we heard it for the first time or who we were with or, you know, and that all is a part of it when you're listening to the song. And that's, you know, that's really cool. It's, it's really cool when you write one and people tell you that stuff, you know? Yeah, it's because it's a journey. It, it, a song is, is it's part of your journey. It is. You know, you, you and you connect to it and you can't, like there's songs, you know, I'm, I, I just turned 44, so I'm still relatively uh, young. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but again, you know, there's like when I was grown, my, my mother, and I mentioned this on other podcasts, you know, she really, her and my, and my dad's brother, Scott, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. he, they, they opened me up to, um, to like real like music, you know, there was the stuff that was getting played on the radio, but you know, we'd be at home or we'd be in the car. My mom was a cook at the school I went to. Um, so we got to ride into work, into school, into work with mom. Um, but you know, she always had queen on, um, you know, every time (laughs) what's that? Pretty great band. Oh my god! Like that, like Freddie Mercury to me is probably one of the greatest frontman. Perf- Amazing singer. Oh my god! But you know the guitarist um, Brian. Brian May is is one of the better guitar players there's ever been. You know he I is. Know Hardly nobody talks about that. But. And and when he strikes a chord, you know who's playing that that chord. His Absolutely. sound is so new, new, unique, and even Roger Taylor, the drummer, like right. when he he's playing, you know that's him. There's a Absolutely. there's that distinctive sound that they br- they brought together. You know, they I don't think you know if they didn't find each other, I don't think we'd ever you'd ever hear that because what they did was so unique. You know, bands like sure. like them. You know, going back to the Beatles, there was nobody else doing that. You know, and then, of course, you have the Rolling Stones that come along. And then you have, you know, bands like Led Zeppelin, which was another huge um, influence in musically for me um, because my my parents loved Led Zeppelin. So they were always playing Led Zeppelin. You know, we the Beatles, my mother was always playing Beatles records. You know, she's still in her rotation. So. Every time somebody in the family has a birthday, we have a um, we have this group text. There's I think ten people in it. I think, and wow. and she plays she plays um, the birthday song. Um, oh yeah, the, yes yes. Every every birthday, if you wake up in the morning, you open up your phone. If it's if it's your birthday, my mother sends you that. And then she cranks it on her stereo in her in her kitchen, you know. When when we show up to you know go down there for dinner or whatever and meet up, and uh, you know that'll be cranking when it's your birthday. So it's just, you know, again, you talk about songs that connect you to something, you know, experiences like that will forever be in my mind. Yeah. When I hear that song. 
that's what I'm saying. You know, a song is more than just the notes that, you know, there's only what, three notes. They always say there's like three notes connected or something like that. I forget what the Willie Nelson says all the time. Um, and yet, think of all the great memories that have been created by those notes. I know. And it's, you know, and it's just like one of my, one of like a song that, that really touches my soul was a song Chris Christopherson wrote and Johnny Cash made it famous. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Yeah. Sunday morning coming down. One of the best. That song. There's very few of us that haven't felt that. (laughs) And it's just, and you know, and, and I've watched old interviews on Chris talking about that song, you know, when he wrote it. And then when Johnny said, Hey, I'm going to play that song. And, uh, he got a bunch of shit cause he swore, um, you know, yeah. and was, you know, it, it just, but you hear them and it, and it's the delivery of how they present it to you. Oh, absolutely. And that, I mean, the funny part was that Johnny really, cause they told Chris, they weren't going to, um, they were not going to allow them to say the word. Um, it was the Johnny Cash show. And they were not going to allow him to say the words, wishing Lord that I was stoned. That's right. They wanted to pick some different words to say. Yep. And, and, uh, and John, like Johnny just kind of winked at him or something. And when they said it, he like doubled down on it. Mm-hmm. He was like stoned. Yeah. You know, and it was like, that was great. I mean, Chris, to me, there's no other. I mean, a lot of people like Dylan Moore. Um, Chris is my guy. Um, you know, I lived across a canyon from Bob, and it was only, um, when I say it was a canyon, it was more like a, a dip in the, in the woods. Yeah. Um, literally, you could see his house. Um, it would be like a house three houses away, but with a little dip in between. So that's what I would call a canyon. Okay. It was a very big one. Um, and I, I just can remember when he was rehearsing to go for a tour. This is like, oh, it's going to be 28 years ago or something like that, 28, 30 years ago. And, and for the first day or two, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to go over and kill him. (laughs) I love you and your music icon, but please stop. Yeah, I mean, it was like for days and days and weeks. And it was just, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, no. And, you know, Chris, I know Chris mocks his own singing. Um, He's got a beautiful voice. Out of of the the guys that, that to me are non-singers, but he's the best um i always think of chris christopherson neil young oh my god i love neil young and he's a great writer yeah and, and bob dylan um but i think chris's voice is is just real it's so real that it's like yes. um and that's he, he told me a story that when he went to monument records the head of monument records he just wanted to sell the songs and they told him the guy told him uh i i'll make you a deal i'll i'll take your publishing uh you know i'll, I'll publish your songs and but you have to sing them. 
And he said, I can't sing. I sound like a croaking frog. And he said, you sound real. And Chris said, yeah, real shit. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I disagree. I, I like something about, especially younger Chris Robinson. When you listen to his voice when he was younger, I just feel it's like just real. It's like. You can relate um, to it. I don't like, you know, Bob Dylan has that almost like French Canadian sound or something that he, it's not for you, you know. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, and, and Neil Young, is, you, like, you can't almost tell when his voice breaks. Uh, but Chris just sounds real. I mean, in a way, I mean, I think of him especially being like, like Johnny. Johnny talked to most of his songs. Yeah. Johnny Cat. Um, but he was freaking great. Yeah. And it, again, it, that the deli- how they deliver oh, the, delivery, the song, I like, mean, Oh my God! Yeah. Off the chart. I got when I was uh, tight with Paul and Nelson, uh, and the Universal Amphitheater was still here. Um, it's now a Harry Potter ride. Um, oh. but it was one of the best places you could hear a concert. It was like Carnegie Hall. It had beautiful, perfect sound. And um, I, you know, she, uh, Paul and Nelson invited me to come down to the Highwaymen. Oh, my God. And we got, you know, backstage, and she took me on all the buses and introduced me to all the guys. And and, uh, and I, I just, I, it was like a, it was like a dream. I mean, it was like, you know, just Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, and Willie Nelson in one band. Mm-hmm. They're effectively the only country supergroup there's ever been. Yet, and there never will be another. No. That that yeah yeah and I know I don't know if I don't think my father in law is listening, but my father in law is one of the biggest Willie Nelson fans. He yeah, Willie is brilliant. I I do an impression of Willie at times because we we were supposed to do a movie together, and uh, with him and his daughter and me and my son, and I wrote the song for it and. When I played it for him, I tell this story when I when I play it every time, and it's it's kind of a long story, but it, it's um, like I drove down to San, San Diego where Paula was living with her mother and and her sister Amy, and Willie was staying with them, and she wanted me to meet him, so I drove down. It's like two and a half hours, something like that, to get there. Okay. And. And he was talking about the movie we were going to do. He said, well, we need a song for it. Um, and um, I said, well, you're the man, you know. I'm sure you, you come up with something brilliant. And he says, well, I've, I'm just involved with the Highlandmen now. I'm not going to be able to do that. So I was like, well, maybe I can come up with something. And he just like, he, I, I almost felt like he would he would laugh, but he didn't. He just kind of looked at me, you know, and... and, and uh, so we had dinner and everything, and I left, and I started driving back up to L.A., and by the time I got home, I had written a song called Desolation that was supposed to be me singing my character's part and him singing his character's part, mm-hmm. you know, the, the part that came from their life in the movie. And I was so excited about it, I drove straight back down there again, and they were like, what are you doing here again? And I was like, I wrote the song. I want you to hear it, and I I played it for him, and then he sang it with me. 
Oh my God. We didn't record it. And that, that will forever be, uh, you know, hopefully, um, I get to finish the album before anything happens to Willie, who's 90 now. And we get to record the song together. Um, but so I, I do the song live and I, I do my part, but then I impersonate Willie's part. Mm -hmm. And it, it usually gets like uh, first a laugh, but then I think people just accept it. Um, Waylon used to do that with Willie. Waylon Jennings used to like sing songs that he sang with Willie and put Willie's voice into. Willie's great. Another just brilliant. Father in law is right on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're you're fortunate to have uh, your life intertwined with um, all those. I mean, they're they're beautiful mu uh, musicians. Are they're artists? Oh, they're they're artists. Are. I mean, I, and you know, I mean, we didn't even touch on this, but I mean, I actually got to meet Elvis at one point. I I never. My greatest regret is, you know, I grew up under an oil painting over my cradle, mm -hmm. uh, and my mother wanted to see him so bad, and I, um, I, I went down because he, uh, Bjorn Borg, the tennis player, who was a friend of mine when we were kids and I lived in Sweden for a while. Oh, wow. And he gave Elvis, he was our hero and he met him and he gave him a copy of one of my first records and Elvis said he was going to put it in his jukebox. But he always like wanted to meet the person and watch them put, have them watch him put it in his jukebox. So, um, flew me down there. I went and I met him and I watched him put the record in the jukebox and we talked till about four o'clock in the morning. We sat up talking about our moms that I never got to hear him play. And he, he gave me backstage laminates for when he was coming to Rhode Island because so that I could bring my mom and she would see him and, and he died before he got there. So, um, oh we never, we never saw him play. Um, what a tragedy! But my friend Stephen is an Elvis impersonator. That's the in Vegas. That's the closest we get. But that time that I spent with him that one night will forever live in my mind. You know, it's and then to have years later uh, made a record with a bunch of his guys playing on it. Yeah, that that I never saw that coming. <laughs> And that you know what that's the universe uh, that that may you know what you connected with him, and this may be him, on the other side, maybe giving it a pu giving you a push that way or giving them a push towards you. It's possible, I, you know. Who's to say what what goes on? I definitely believe there's something going on on the other side. Ab I don't think it just ends here. No, no, because there's just there's there's more. There has to be more than the, just this. I mean, because you think really, I mean, what's our, we're lucky if we live till, till we're 80, 85, you know, yeah. 90, you know, we're, it, it's a blink. It's our existence as, as an individual is a blink of an eye. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I've had this conversation with other guests on the podcast about, you know, seeing, you know, spirits and, and, and hearing and talking, you know, I talk to, you know, one of my best friends um, was killed in a tragic motorcycle accident in 2018, and uh, that that was a very had a very hard 
it was, it was a hard, hard thing for me to deal with. And, um, I understand that. Yeah. You, 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 you just, there's cause a, cause a, when, when somebody you're so close to, you know, when you connect with them, whether it's family or friend, um, when, when they pass, there's a, there's a part of you that you can kind of feel like a little bit of you goes with them. It does. It, yeah. it, not that that's a bad thing because maybe that yeah. they're able to take that little bit of you with them and, and hold on to that. And maybe that's why you're still, I you hope know, that's true. I do. I really hope that's true. I thought the same thing and I hope it's true. You know, and that's, that's how I try to look at things like, okay, they took that and then you're still connected with them because I even find myself at times like I, you know, I'll ask them like, what, what the, what the hell would you do right now? Like, you know, talk to me, talk to me out, you know, just yeah. certain things, you know, or I'll, you know, my grandfather's, you know, I'll, one of my grandfathers died in 97 and I think about him all the time. And it's just like random things. Like when we go to the, we go up to, uh, next month we go up to on vaca- family vacation and, uh, we go to this beach above Hampton beach. It's called Rye beach. Um, Oh yeah. I, I know that. Yeah. Great. We love it up there. It's quiet. Um, but when, as kids, my grandparents used to take us up, we used to go to Rye beach all the time. Um, so whenever I'm there, it's like, I'm, con- I'm connected with him again. You know, I'm connected with, it's it just certain, there's just certain things like that, that just, uh, no, that's special. I, I mean, I get it. You know, when I, uh, one of the, the greatest moments for me, um, well at the time it didn't seem great, but, um, I was in the hospital, I had some stomach issues and, and I was 19 years old and they gave me a shot, a painkiller called Tallwin and it stopped my heart. And, um, I, um, I remember my mom, my friend Bobby and my cousin Missy were in the room and I felt like I was up at the ceiling looking down and and heard everything they said and i repeated it when i got back um and i was it was verbatim so it was it was real so i had this whole out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. then went through a kind of a dark place uh, where there's like like almost half humanoid half like creatures i don't know it was horrible but i was above it so it was, you know, they, they couldn't get near me, but it was still frightening. And then I was in a light and it was warm and comforting and, and I didn't care anymore. And I saw people in the light that I knew who had passed. And the only thing that made me think that it maybe wasn't real um, was that I saw my friend Johnny and, um, and I knew he was still alive. And I got to, like, you know, what I, what I assume is the edge of heaven or something. And I didn't hear a voice telling me to go back, but I felt it. And then I was back in the room, and they had used the paddles on me and brought me back. Oh, my God. And, and uh, they were checking my pulse every, like, minute. And, you know, about a – I was talking to my mom about it about a week and a half after I got home. And I said, the one, the one thing that makes me think, though, it wasn't real is because, you know, I mean, Johnny's not dead. And 
I saw him there. And she said, I didn't want to tell you at the time, but he got hit by a car on Stura Drive in Boston the night before that happened to you. And he didn't survive. Oh, my God. I, I did not know that, but I saw him in that light. Yeah. So there's nothing beyond this. Yeah. That, for sure. Well, and that's, uh, you know, one of those things that, I've, you know, if I had any doubts in faith, in my faith, um, at, ever after not, you know, um, I, I believed 100% in God and heaven and all that after that, because how could you not? <laughs> yeah, and like, I have a you know I'm I grew up in a Catholic, uh, me too. <laughs> kinder, kindergarten to eighth grade Catholic school, <laughs> you know it. it <laughs> yeah, I, I had uh, it was hard for you know after I got out of Catholic school I went into high school and it was I went to a vocational uh, trade school, and uh, it was like a, a light switch got flipped when I got out of got out of Catholic school I'm like oh my god people actually talk to, to their teachers like this. And, you know, it was a, it was a culture shock for me, wow. uh, you know, cause I, I wasn't used to kids swearing yeah. in class and just, you know, I, I had nuns. I got, I got hit with a ruler, you know, I don't miss them. I do not miss them. I, it, it, them were, all right. <laughs> we had one that was pretty cool to it. <laughs> The rest of them were, uh, you know, they used to have these uh, little things that look like a frog that clicked that, that you could buy at the at the store, like at the corner store. Yep. It made a clicking sound, just like those clickers that they had to make you get up and down when you were kneeling and uh-huh. in the dirt. And so whenever they would, I, I had one of those, and whenever they would hit the clicker to make us kneel down, I'd hit the one that I had. And everybody would stand up again, and then they'd do it again, and, it was, and they were going up and down, and they were looking, trying to figure out who was doing that. <laughs> who was doing that? that? Yeah, just having a little fun. That's all. Uh, I got in so much trouble for that. <laughs> yeah, well, you, but you know what? You get, you got a good, you have a good story out of it, and and a good memory about it. True that, yeah. But there was a sister that we called her a, a sister. Maria Raposa was her name, and she was this Italian girl, and she was fairly young, but she thought it was hysterical. She she thought it was funny. She told, Don't tell the rest of her sisters, but I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, the, you, you know, it's yeah. There there was a couple of nuns that that were that were really nice. There was my third grade nun was not nice at all. No, yeah, some of them are some of them are tough. Yeah, she I, she just hated she hated people. And it was it was weird because I I had a I had a Where rough. Well, she hated men. I mean, yeah. she she because she always hit the guy the boys. Never discipline, not physically discipline the girls. Um, so it was. I had a hard I had a hard time. Like after I got out of Catholic school, you know, that school had closed when I was in third grade, and then I went on to another school, um, and there were ex nuns there, um, and you know, integrated with other teachers. Um, and, yep. and my seventh grade teacher, teacher, um, uh, Miss, Fr- Miss, Miss Francis China, she was ex, an ex nun and she was one of the best teachers. Like she would 
like get us singing like like she would like we we had to make i remember i'll never forget this we had to make musical instruments wow. right she's cool. and and you couldn't she she's like okay you got so we're we're gonna we're gonna have a um we're gonna do a concert that's what she said to us so she was always singing and always you know teaching us to to sing and and you know whether it was you know got songs from the gospel you know out of the out of the um the bible or if it was just 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 music and but she was always having fun with it and um so we had to make our own instruments and we put on a concert at the school that's very cool though you know but in you know and it's funny this conversation right now i haven't thought about that since seventh grade like i've never talked about that i never even it was never even thought in my mind and i just uh yeah, that just this this brought that it's out. Funny when that happens with stuff, when when you talk about, it, you know, that happens to me a lot. I'll, I'll meet somebody I've never even met before, and they start talking about something, and and then it, you flash back to something that that you know was that meant something to you in your life, but you had completely forgotten about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, mean, I was thinking about, like I was thinking about when you, when we were talking about the nuns that don't like people that were nasty. I remember, yeah, Matt Dillon, the actor. You know, he's edgy. This, yeah, he was an, he was an edgy kid when he was young, and uh, I remember we were talking about that stuff because he dealt with the same kind of stuff. And then he says, "Yeah, that's why they called nuns." He says, "They never got none. They're not getting any now. They never do get none." <laughs> Yeah, this is true. And I just flashed on that while we were talking about it because I haven't thought about that never, forever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Certain there's 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 certain things that trigger you know your memories, and you know maybe maybe the reason we did this to talk tonight was to trigger some of these memories that we've had. Um, oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Like I and I again, uh, this the conversation the, the the these talks like this where where you can open up and you know this is a no judge freeze there's no judgment really good at this too i mean it's like it, it's a great just a great conversation as opposed to um feeling interviewed you know yeah. i just feel like it's a great conversation once i feel like i've known you forever you know it's like great well even i and i had t- talked to cornell the other day on the phone and uh, he's like how hey, did you uh did you connect with kevin i'm like yeah I'm like we were on the phone for like 20 minutes. I, I yeah, you know we did talk longer than than probably I usually do. So yeah, and and again, I, you know, I was comfortable, you know, and again, you know, shout out to Cornell for for making these talks yeah, happen. He's a, he's a man. He he he's a again great person, and uh, you know, it's the it's this energy that you know I I him and I talk about this like there's a positive energy that him and I have. And, um, another artist that he represents Ricardo, um, that he's doing. Oh, Ricardo. I, I know Andy really well. And Andy, Andy and I had a, Andy and I had a fantastic conversation. Um, guy. his microphone, he was having issues on his end. Um, so it, it was, I to listen to it. <laughs> It was like a lot of it was like mine, right? It was like the beginning of my show. Yeah, it was t- it was tough. He was having connection issues, but you know, hey, this is the beauty of doing this it, it, because it's raw, it's well, real. Live. <laughs> yeah, we're live. Like the, like you're you, not Memorex. <laughs> yep, 
you you know you go on stage and you plug in you're you're live whatever you're getting you're getting oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely and that's why i like doing them like this because i don't i don't ever you know i don't like i don't want to edit i don't want to cut pieces out and and add sound bites in i'm like and you know because i i feel like i'm do, i'm trying to represent you you know the the person i'm having the conversation with um for for who you are not not necessarily all the all the accomplishments and things that but i i want to get to know a person and and yeah. you know I, I i i that's what i strive for with this whole thing and i you know i think you're very successful at it I appreciate that. And that means a lot because, uh, you know, this has been a, again, this has been like a, a talk that I've had for a little over maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, start of COVID. And it just, you know, it kind of manifested and turned into something. And it was like, and then certain pieces started falling into place. And once I, the pieces all started to line up and, and then everything just, Again, that positive energy, the positive, um, you know, connections that you made with make with people, and uh, you know, there's something to be said about that. Surrounding yourself with positive people and people that are, you know, of the same mindset as you too, you know, that aren't afraid to work, that aren't afraid to get out there, and you know, you got to do what you got to do, uh, you yeah. know, not in a not in a bad way, but. <laughs> so listen, before before we. And then I forget to ask, I want to just, out of curiosity, because um, I know that you said that you read about me and stuff like that. You looked up some stuff, but uh, you've heard the song, Down Home Georgia? I have. And it's funny because uh, my my son's friend, um, who's, who plays guitar, um, the kid yeah. that does the open mic nights, uh, he came over the other night and I said, hey, let's check out this song. And he's like, yeah, actually, I remember when this song came was on the radio. Wow. I said, okay, cool. And, you know, he's 18. So, wow. you know, it, it, but he's, he's plugged in. He, he's, he's, he, he loves music. And that's what I love about that kid is he absolutely loves music. So, you know, um, but no, it's, the song's fantastic. And Thank I think you, when, I, I, I just wanted to see, I, I wanted your opinion on it because I, I, um, you know, I wrote it when I was a kid. So it's, um, I would have never even known that if you didn't, if you didn't mention that you wrote that when you were 14 years old, I would have never even known that because it, it, it's a, it's a average 14 year old, I guess anyways, but, um, but it's, um, it's, you know, just something written from a truth. We used to, uh, my dad uh, was in the army in basic training in, in Georgia and, um, my mom went down there and stayed with him. They had just gotten married, and I wasn't born for 13 years, but uh, uh, when, you know, I was born and every year thereafter, we would go down and spend time there for, like, you know, two or three weeks a year. And I, I you know, got close with the friends that they had as kids and um, and and looked so forward to seeing them and, and being down there. And one year when I was recording, and I was over in Germany, and I was sitting on the roof of, a, of the studio, and some of the other guys had gone out, and I just didn't feel like going out that night. And I was sitting on the roof of the studio, and I was looking up at the 
at the stars in the sky and thinking that, you know, they were down there and they were looking up at the same stars, probably morning and they probably weren't, but, um, and I wrote the song. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, um, it, it, it was something, it's a place that I've always held, held dear, although there's a lot of craziness going on down there now, but, um, but still, it's uh, Savannah, especially, is a, a beautiful place. If you've never been there, it's it's worth a it's worth a, a go to. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to I'd like to get down to uh, one of our friends' uh, sister lives down in Georgia, uh, down by Savannah. Um, it's beautiful. Have you been here ever? I you know it's funny I've never been to California. You haven't. It's yeah, it's an interesting place too. Uh, I mean, I like, you probably heard helicopters go by a few times. I um, did. I heard. I heard some background that yes. Yeah, I uh, I live at like on off PCH, so I live right across the street from the beach, um, on the edge of. Uh, I live in Pacific Palisades, but right on the edge of Malibu. And oh, um, nice. So, you know, at times at night you hear the waves big time. Oh, that's um, awesome! Nothing like falling asleep to that. Oh, it's beautiful. Sometimes the it was weird. Sometimes the chandelier shakes and stuff from it. The high tide. Oh, really? But, um, yeah, it's, it's but it's also calming to me. Um, but it, um, you know, the police and whatnot are always going up and down in the and the lifeguards or whatever if there's sharks or whatever out there they're running up and down in helicopters there's more helicopters here than anywhere i swear and so that's what was going on there but um and then my um my room uh, the guy i went to uh, my roommate came home while uh, while we were talking too i don't know if you heard me at that but yeah i heard i heard him in the background talking they hey you know what that's all part of the live show you're gonna have that yeah. Yeah, he was talking to somebody else on the phone. I didn't, you know, I was still, I just, in fact, I'm going to have to tell him afterwards that, that we were doing this because he probably thought I just ignored him. Yeah. But um, it's a uh, really interesting conversation. I've enjoyed it a lot. And, and um, you know, I, I guess we could probably talk forever. But um, Yeah, it we're, and we're coming up on, uh, <clears throat> so with this live thing, it is, I'm limited to two hours and we, uh, we're on air right now for an hour and fifty four minutes this time around. Shit. Yeah. Well, in in a, a, a world record for me, man. Well, you know, and again, this is this is, I, I feel you and I connected, like you and I have a connection. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe it's because you're from Massachusetts too. You know. Could be. Could be I packed my car and have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I parked my car and. Uh, in uh, Worcester, Mass. Yeah, but you know, it, it, in I miss the... Massachusetts, I haven't been there in years, and I miss it. Well, I, mean, I think one of those places that when you're from there, or when you've just been there, you you know you miss it. It's, uh... There, there is something to be said about this state. Like I feel, like I, it, it's it's just a great, like where where we live, we're we're fortunate, and we have a, you know. The, the kids all had a good upbringing and uh you know there was no there's no craziness not the craziness we have now you know there was still craziness but not not like yeah. it is now <laughs> yeah it's uh 
You know, that's one of the things I've been debating on is to end my show right before I played Down Home Georgia um, to ask everybody to, you know, because we're so divided now that uh, to do me a favor and turn to the person next to you and, and hug them, shake their hand, kiss them, whatever you feel like doing. But, um, you know, and, and, and just say peace and love like Ringo always says. Yeah, well, you know what? But but you know what you can in, in in the kind of music especially that I'm playing now you can get in a lot of trouble for getting politically. You know, and that's and that's again, you know, the, these the older rock and country musicians um, that paved the way, they were pushing boundaries and being. You have to respect, you know, and I always. I may not agree with everybody politically. I may not agree with everybody with however you, but I respect you, and I res—I respect your decision to to it, this because again, this is your show. You're up on the stage. You're putting yourself up in front of people, being very vulnerable and being very open. And the respect that they they should give you is, hey, you know what. I, I respect you for for your opinion. I may not agree with it, but I respect you. And Absolutely. That's what I think anyway. But, you know, I, I remember uh, my um, listening to Elvis and talking, you know, when, when he was asked a question like that about politics. And his response was like, I'm just an entertainer. You know, I, I, I don't, I just respect the, Anybody has the right to, to vote for whoever they want, and and I respect their decision to do so. And I thought that was the greatest answer I've ever heard. Yep, because it doesn't it doesn't put you on either side of a political, you, you know, a, the political side. And that's the thing is like it's it's so, it's it's shit. It that it's all shit right now. Like it it's been shit. I. I I disconnect from it. I I put on the TV for news. It's hard sometimes, though, isn't it? <laughs> What's that? It's hard though sometimes to get away from it. It is just... because it's it's ingrained you in our. You got kids and grandkids because you're afraid what's coming next. I am, and you know, and I, I just hope that uh, I hope I can be there for them. I hope I if hope. they need me for anything, I can be there for them. And if they need advice, you know, I'm there for them. And, and I think now more than ever, family coming together, having talks like this, you know, yeah. this this to me is this is healing. If, if more of these types of talks happened and people connected on a level like this and, and had talks like we'd be in a lot better place. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, the lack of communication is a big part of what causes this. Stuff. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's it's funny. I'm I'm. Uh, uh, you know, this brings to mind another one of those things Christopherson told me that, you know, the, out of the highwaymen, he, he respected them all and, and really liked them all. But the one guy that didn't like him too much because they were polit- politically polar opposites was Waylon. Oh, really? And, you know, where Waylon was kind of the king of the outlaws or the first outlaw, yep. that surprised me, actually, um, that that he would get like that where he, you know, he told Willie that he should, he didn't even think they should keep Chris in the band. Well, that's too bad. And you know what? Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he uh, made peace with that um, because... I hope so, because he's, you know, I, I mean, you know, Chris, 
that guy's had a, a, a rough time. I mean, his his parents were, you know, his parent, his father, and his grandfather were all like colonels and generals, and you know, and when he decided to go to Nashville and be be a songwriter and work as a janitor at, at uh, Columbia Records, um, you know, his parents never talked to him again. Really. And even when he he told me, even when he got the uh, thing in Washington with the president and everything, where they go to the, I forget what, what it's called now, um, they do it at like the Lincoln Center or something like that, um, or the Kennedy Center, whatever, it's one of those. And um, yeah, he said that he, he called his mother, it was the first time that he talked to her in years, and said that um, they were going to do this honor for him in Washington, and he wanted her I think the father was already dead. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to come, and she, she said something like, "I lost my son a long time ago." Yeah, horrible. And she didn't come. I mean, I, I could never. I don't. You know. I mean, I may not agree with things with my kids all the time, but I could never do that. Yeah. No, and the- you know, the, the the greatest gift to me in that God's ever given me. In, in in this life is my kids and my grandkids and my family just family F- family yep that's everything yep you know if that's all you ever have you've had it all brother <laughs> you know and i'm fortunate you, you know you and i have talked and uh you know i have four kids and again and you know that's i'm great. yeah it is and yeah, it, I, you, I love i love that now that especially that you told me afterwards that was your daughter that was on yeah she oh my god Uh, i I like what she said she was funny (laughs) yeah well she gets that for me because i could be i could i you know some people sometimes people take me the wrong way when i'm joking and it's like i I was just that was east coast thing yeah yeah it is oh it's definitely is and it's definitely a massachusetts yes like we're 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 pretty good at that um yeah you know the brits are like that too like, I was talking to my friend Phil. He's from New York, so he gets all this shit. But we were talking about how I just saw a, um, one of the Ringo concerts, and someone yelled up at him, you look great, Ringo. And he said, oh, thank you. And he says, I, I got to tell you what that means coming from you. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, is it just me that, like, because I, I was thinking, like, when he said that, because I know how he is. He's a wonderful guy, and and it's just part of his humor. Yeah, he's, but he's you're like, yeah, but that's like, you know, I'm sure, like, if that guy was of the same humor, yeah, he probably thought that he was being rude, and he's, he's not that guy, you know? Yeah, and that's, hey, he's he's up there having a good time, and, you know, it, again, your emotions sometimes when you're doing stuff like that, they come out, and... Absolutely. You don't know how to. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's uh, anyways. I I'm probably gonna have to cut out here. But listen, really great talking to you and and getting to know you as well. And um, and yeah, maybe we can do it again sometime. Yeah. No. I. I. Kevin. I. There's so much stuff that we didn't even t- talk about, and I oh, wanted to talk about your. Surface, yeah. We, we, we and we did, and we'll we'll definitely do this again, and. Uh, you know, and when you get on the road, um, and, and if you're able to do shows, um, I'm definitely going to come out and see you. And uh, oh, that'd be great, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I enjoy what you're doing. I enjoy your story. I appreciate your story, and I appreciate you for coming on here. And and you opened up 
and we talked about a lot of stuff that uh, that people and I hope people uh, can you know connect with what we were talking about and uh, you know put a positive spin yeah, on it, things. It, it was pretty positive for the most part. So sure. Sure, and that's what we want. You know, hey, you're going to have a little bit of dirt up in there, and, and a little bit of it's going to yeah. get gritty. But th- that that's all part of conversation. That, you know, true dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, again, I I truly appreciate you for coming on here, and um, you know, I, I appreciate you having me. Thank and you. you know, everybody, go check out Kevin Michaels. Um, you know his uh, album is going to hopefully be coming out soon. Well, yeah, hopefully. I've got to finish the songs first. Yep. Fi- I mean, we got to finish the recording of them. Okay. But, um, so we, we and, have something to look forward to. Mostly from the older part of my life. So, like, you know, anything I do after that will probably be all new stuff. But Well, we look forward to hearing that from you. We look forward to hearing your story through music. And, uh, again, I appreciate you for coming on here. And, uh, and thank you. Well, thank you for having me again, man. Stay in touch. It's great talking to you. Yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch. And you know, if you ever feel like, if you ever get out this way, uh, we'll 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 link up and uh, uh, we'll have a coffee or you know sit down and have a conversation uh, with none of this stuff. To do a face to face one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it would be good. It's 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 good stuff. All right. Very cool. All right. Hey, thanks again, and uh, for having me, and. uh, yeah, take it easy, and uh, we'll we'll talk again soon. All right, we'll catch you on the road. All right, thanks, brother. All right, have a good Bye. night. We'll see you, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Kevin Michaels. Uh, beautiful talk, beautiful person. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Chewy's Road to Enlightenment. I apologize for the first little segment there uh, before we uh, went live for the first half hour. We had a little issue, but uh, it was all good, and... Uh, you know, had a really good conversation with Kevin. Um, everybody go check him out. Um, show him some love. Go on YouTube. Uh, follow him on Instagram. He's on Facebook. Kevin Michaels, K-E-V-A-N Michaels. Um, you can check out his song. Um, he's streaming, Down Home Georgia. It's a beautiful song, beautiful piece. He did a great job. Wrote it when he was 14. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for tuning in. And uh, have a great night. Be kind to each other. Love one another, lift somebody up, open up a door for somebody, buy somebody a coffee, say good morning, say thank you. And if you want to, you can give somebody a hug because maybe they need it. All right, everybody, have a good night. Thanks for tuning in.